Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 231 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and thanks so much for being here. This is a doozy, this one. It's long, buckle up, but it's good. It's worth it. Lots of one-liners came out of this one. It was tough getting it down to just four quotes to pull out of this, but I think we selected the gems. Today's guest is Jeff Everett from Rockets Are Red Creative, but also designer at NIH, the National Institute of Health. So kind of a unique position, that one. Jeff is putting together design and creative work all toward the battle of the coronavirus and all the stuff that's going on there. And uh, he shares some of that with us. He shares a creation he did for Dr. Fauci during this whole process. We talk about comic book covers and record covers and how those were inspirational. We talk about a couple of Instagram posts and some cool stories came out of that. He then shares with us that some of his work has been recently featured on the GDUSA magazine cover and specifically a, a portrait, an illustrative portrait, if you will. He then talks a little bit about the struggle with failing in public. And that is a terrifying subject for a lot of people, for sure. And Jeff gives us the insights on how he has managed that and handled that in his life. This episode is full of stories, awesome conversation. You are going to dig it. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Mr. Jeff Everett. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Jeff, welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you, sir? I am hanging in there as the world is going crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, whereabouts are you again? I am right outside of DC. Okay. So when I when I get yelled at for being a Beltway liberal, I always say, <laughs> "No, my friend, I am exactly a mile north of of the Beltway." So. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, crazy things going on in the U.S. I'm glad you could spare some time away from the the results to to join me here. Well, you know, I'm not saying I don't have CNN right here on my screen. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. And us Canadians aren't saying that either. <laughs> <laughs> You're just looking down like, guys, get, get your stuff together. Okay. <laughs> Jeff, before I get rocking, are you ready for a quickie, sir? You know, yes. I think I need that right now. Fair enough. Let's get rocking then. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. My name is Jeffrey Everett. I have run a design studio called Rockets Are Red for the last Oh, 17 years or so. Nice. I'm also a lead designer at the National Institutes of Health, NIH, and I work with a, a person named Dr. Fauci and a few others like Dr. Collins, and we're trying to save the world. There you go. Trying to save the world. That's amazing. Okay, so Dr. Fauci, he's been getting dumped on lately. What's that all about? You know, people don't like it when you tell them to wear a mask and wash their hands. And that, that, Outrageous. that, it, that apparently is just a terrible thing to do. You know, basic civility. How dare you? 
<laughs> exactly. So you are, so are you designing things that are messaging and signage and things that are getting out there to promote sort of the safe practices during COVID here? Yeah, we, I end up doing a lot of different things. I have I been do, I do things like the wear a mask and wash your hands, how to wash your hands. Um, I did a little bit of traveling this summer and I was down south and like work that I did was like up in stores, you know, right. and like and, and that's cool, but it's also like, oh man, I did that in like 30 minutes because we needed to get it out the door. And it's <laughs> terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. But like, there are things that I did that I, I laugh at. Like, there's one where it's like a woman like touching her face and it has like a, you know, do not touch your face if you've, you know, not washed your hands. And I made it so like the woman looks like she's flipping everybody off. So like, you know, <laughs> it's like just, subliminal little messages that you slide in. Yeah. So I got, I got the, the punk rock move in there. Um, <laughs> so that's nice. But I also do things like um, I'm working on infographics, explaining what the microbiome is and like what CRISPR technology is like things that are just Ooh. way, way over my head. Yeah. And, you know, the people come in, they're like, can you make this so that people who know nothing about it will understand it? And I'm like, yes, we're designing for me. Okay, <laughs> yes, got it. Exactly. Got this. Yeah. <laughs> that's wild, man. So you're the guy behind some of that messaging stuff. I think that's like a, there's, a, I want to say a, a Reddit feed or something like that about signage like that, about washing your hands and bathroom signs and things like that, where they're, you look at them and you're like, what is that exactly? And so there's a bunch of designers out there with this punk rock movement hidden in all of these. And like, that looks like, yeah, yeah. I, I put that in there. You see that? Yeah, that's, that's me. And I don't go on to any of that stuff because it's just terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And like, I used to, uh, you know, and I still do work with bands and I would go into like the Facebook groups to like interact with the fans. And that lasted <laughs> like, I think six days because it's just terrifying yeah. to see how involved and passionate people get. And mm -hmm. I was like, this is going to give me nightmares. So just yeah. no, I'm not doing any of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of the groups. Yeah. Um, Jeff, I want to now kick this back in time a little bit. And I want to ask you about your childhood and what that was like. Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of pointed you in this career direction? Yeah, I grew up in a very small town in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. It's actually the town where Mary had a little lamb was written. That's like our own, that's like our only claim to fame. <laughs> and it was a very like Twin Peaks out in the woods kind of town. My house was like 175 years old. Like wow. people people literally died in our house. People literally died in my bedroom like that's comforting. Yeah, yeah. And I found that out in the most creepy of ways. Um, but my parents were really supportive. Um, but finding art was very complicated. And a lot of it was comic books. It was Saturday morning cartoons. Mm -hmm. It was taking trips into Boston, which was like two hours, two and a half hours away and visiting the museums. Newberry Comics was like the source of getting anything that wasn't a Van Halen record. So, you know, it was it was getting the culture while you could, um, which is like so different than now. Like my kids can basically become experts in anything with about 20 minutes on Google. 
Um, back then, you know, and this is 30, I mean, I'm 44 now, but like back then when you're 15, finding that culture was, you had to look for it, mm-hmm. which is what made it so rewarding when you actually found it. And yeah, I found a lot of it in Boston. So Boston, you're right. Boston. <laughs> I don't have, what's amazing is like, I don't have any accent. Mm-hmm. I, I I sound like a weather forecaster. I, I'm really I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Did you have any aunts, uncles, family members, or anybody around you that was in that art design world that could sort of give you taste of it or show you it, or was there maybe there was a you know a a counselor or something in school that really said you know you should really look at design. You got some you know some art chops here. Not specifically for design. I mean, mm-hmm. I had really supportive art teachers. Um, I'm actually friends with a bunch of them on Facebook. Nice. And every once in a while, I'd be like, you know, Mr. Cowett, um, you once said I'd never make a career out of just drawing boobs. I have proven you. <laughs> I have proven you wrong. My nice. boob, my boob drawing has won awards. Um, but I had like my uncle would buy me like Robert Maplethorpe books. Which, like in retrospect, you're like, wow, that's pretty messed up, you know. Like, here's a here's a picture of a, you know, a, a penis with a knife going into it. Like, yay, let's give this to a 15 year old. That that won't make them question their, you know, their life choices at all. Yeah. But um, you know, my 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 mother was a writer. Uh, my dad was an engineer, and their only concern was, Hey, if you're going to go to art school, can you please just do something? Cause in four years, I don't want to be still paying your rent. And at the time, you know, I grew up, you know, loving people like Edward Gorey mm-hmm. and I loved punk flyers and book covers and record covers and all of that you know, you kind of realize later, like all of that is an extension of graphic design, even mm-hmm. if it's very illustrative. And so I figured I, I appreciate all these people. All of them are technically designers. I'm going to go into that field, mm-hmm. even though the first like two years of design school was like cutting perfect one inch black dots out of construction paper and then gluing them down to show what randomness means. And you're like, I got it, man. Randomness doesn't exist. Okay, fine. Can we just <laughs> freaking move on with the day? It's an illusion. Uh, the only way you can create randomness is by dropping them freely. But then, you know, and you're just like, I got it, dude. I got it. Okay, moving on. <sighs> <laughs> so the book that you just shared about, the uh, fairly graphic book that you just shared about, um, I'm interested to see if that is at all tied into this next question. Um, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw, experienced, um, were a part of that has just stuck with you since? So it definitely was not Robert Maplethorpe. Um, <laughs> that was like a book I had in the corner that I was like, I'm scared of that book. I, I don't want to open it. It could be a flower. Yeah. It could be a vagina with a flower in it. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to risk it. Yeah, um, scary books go in the freezer, Jeff. Oh yeah, seriously. Um, I now have all those books though, like in my library mm-hmm. and I'm just like, Hey kids, take a dare, man. Just pull out a book, see what it's going to be, you know? <laughs> But uh, for me, actually, um, and I appreciated this 
years later, mm-hmm. going to Newberry Comics and finding albums that you didn't know what they were, mm-hmm. but you knew that the cover was cool. Those were the inspirations for me. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, as cliche as it sounds now, like the Joy Division records, the Factory records that Peter Seville did, and the work that Art Chantry did, those were the things that really drew me into graphic design. Mm-hmm. And Chantry and Seville said, you know, years later in the books, you know, if you picked up a record and you liked the design, the designer is successful if you then like the music. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it should be it should be a instant pathway. If you like this, you'll like this. You know what? That's interesting you say that because that is – I also had a similar conversation like that um, about beer labels. Yeah. By looking at the illustrations, design, whatever it is on that beer label, there should be elements there that point – that directly relate to the taste of the actual beer of the product. Mm -hmm. So it gives you an idea of what you're getting into. So you're saying similar on the record seat, like when you're looking at that album artwork, that should directly align with the type of music. So if you like this, it should be a transition to liking that. Right. Which I don't think really happens much anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, design and the, and viewership and all that has become so generic. It applies Mm -hmm. to everything, you know, Rihanna and Justin Bieber have had like death metal graphics on their t-shirts, though they are clearly not any of those (laughs) things, you you know, so finding, you know, finding those, those links are getting, it's getting tougher and tougher. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I'll say is that I've worked with a few bands that have kind of gone on to be big things is having that conversation of like, this is what your music is about. This is what your audience is. These things should tie together. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, you'll just make it so people relate more to your work. Yeah. And once they understand that it's, it's success. And once, you know, they kind of go, yeah, but I really like monsters. Can we put some monsters on the posters? And you're like, dude, no one. I mean, yeah, Frankenstein's cool, but no one really wants to see Frankenstein. <laughs> that doesn't uh, fit your jazz flute album. Yeah, it's it's not going to work, man. All your songs are about sleeping on the beaches in in New Jersey because you know Maria broke up with you. No one wants yeah. to see the, you know, no one wants to see the Wolfman. So, so you're, you're making me like think back to the albums that I purchased and l- thinking of the cover artwork and like does that tie into the music? So I think Big Willie style. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I could see that. I could see yeah. that. Then I'm looking like DMX was another one that I, I went through a rap phase early on. If you can call Will Smith rap. Yeah, you can. Can you? Can you? Yeah, All right. Welcome to Miami, Jeff. All right. <laughs> well, like, I mean, think about like Wu-Tang Clan, like Return yeah. to the 36 Chambers. Like, that's a cover. You're just like, what the hell is going on here? There's like, and there's like white masks like you didn't know what you were getting and then like you put it on you're like 
this sounds exactly what this is. Yeah. <laughs> Both the visual and the sound make me feel uncomfortable. So they yeah. have done a great job with yeah. this band. <laughs> Man, that one skit they have in that record where they're like, you know, I'm going to take your testicles and put it on that. And I'm like, delete. I'm just deleting that from my playlist. Never need to hear that again. Just get me back to cream, okay? That's all I want to hear. <laughs> um, Jeff, I want to now ask you about some of the designers and brands that you look up to, that you maybe closely follow, and what about them do you like? There are a ton of younger designers doing work right now that I look on and I go, oh, man, you guys are doing it so much better than I ever could. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I look on them for inspiration more so as I look on them as envy, just like, mm -hmm. oh, uh, a few of them have been on your show, like uh, Tracy Ching mm -hmm. and Eric Williams, uh, Luke Martin from Suburban Avenger I really like, uh, Rice Bailey, I think his name is. Um, those are designers who have been doing it more recently that I've seen that I think are amazing. Um, but for me, I don't necessarily follow designers looking for inspiration. I look towards like either like musicians or like quote unquote, fine artists, putting mm -hmm. big, putting big air quotes around that term. <laughs> um, like, Oh, so, so I prepared. So the one person I'm really liking right now, is I'm going to look it up because I'm going to mispronounce it. I believe it's Alex Ekman Lawn. Okay. And I've written, he's a Philadelphia painter and he did in the Whoa, dream. That looks cool. He does this and I, he does like three dimensional artwork where like you go into it and there's like different layers. And like I found him to be extraordinarily successful with the, in the dream house book. Cause I bought it literally because he designed the cover for it. And mm -hmm. it's just amazing. And the book is like devastatingly tragic to read. And like, like I, I literally read the book and it was like, I have a writer friend and I was like, we need to do a zine all about bad relationships and she was like, oh, I got some stories for you. So, like, <laughs> I literally, like, got this in the mail yesterday. Like, I got my my little zine that I did with my friend. Oh, cool. This is, like, my quarantine zine where she was just like, let's just tell sad stories about a sad relationship. And I was like, okay. Um, so, yeah. I'm like, I don't want anyone to read this because they're going to think it's all about a relationship that I've had when when really it's it's all about her. Yeah, so. you are just the artist behind. Yes, yeah. You're like Jeff, you're a real, you know, piece of piece of garbage. Like it's not me. Nice. So, but he's somebody I'm really liking. But honestly, like the the latest Springsteen documentary about oh. creating the new record really got me. Um, I found a lot of inspiration in that. And there's a book about the band Swans hmm. where like I am 44. I've been doing, I've been doing design for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And like at a certain point, you just kind of go, why am I doing this? 
and be, beyond just like monetary gain, you know, yeah. it, especially working with musicians, it's mm. very tiring. It's a lot of, it's a lot of like just pushing that boulder up the hill and then seeing it roll back down. And so I'm finding an inspiration with bands that have just been doing it forever and doing new things and being excited. I think like keeping up that excitement of what you're doing is very tough. And I think that happens with any type of career, but just like the waking up and being like, hell yeah, man, I'm working on a poster for the bouncing souls and it's going to be awesome. And people are going to like it and just trying to keep that like lust for life going, Mm -hmm. you know, like fucking Iggy pop is like 70 years old and still doing concerts and like doing backflips into the, into the audience. Like, I'm like, that's what I want to be doing, you know, metaphorically, you know, in graphic design, (laughs) just like, I still want to be doing backflips into the crowd. So, so, you know, it's interesting with rockets are red, you're doing very illustrative work for bands and like, you know, punk scene kind of stuff yet your day job is almost like the opposite. It's almost corporate and medical design. And it's like, there's this strange sort of opposites. It's almost like your rockets are red is like your, for lack of a better term, your muse to, to really fulfill your creativity when the day job is, you know, doing design and being smart about design, but not giving you that edge, that creative edge. Well, you know, I, I, in some cases, yes. Like I'm doing like a program right now and I'm just laying out names yeah. over and over and over and over again. But that allows me kind of breathing room to think mm-hmm. of what I'm going to be doing next Got and it. allows my brain to wander a little bit mm-hmm. to, to figure out new ideas for different, for different posters. You know, I ran you know, I only took this job about four years ago mm-hmm. and you could totally see my kids sneaking in, in the background. Um, <laughs> like I, I took this job about four years ago because I had reached just utter burnout. And yeah. I had, a, I had a moment with a client where I just sat there and was like, why am I, why am I doing this? And I realized like, even though I was, surviving as an artist designer in DC, which is a very expensive city. Mm-hmm. Sorry, a, a, a mile north of DC. Um, <laughs> just to be clear. Just to be clear. You, you know, you you get to a point where you're just like, how many of these can I keep doing? How many posters can I keep doing? How many, um, you know, package designs can I do? How many times is that dude from Ireland going to write me and say what a, what a jerk I am because I'm selling posters for more than $10. Like, and so, you know, you, you end up cause you want, you want to make a living doing this. You, you just take on jobs. Yeah. You know, like I did work for variety. I did work for, you know, the Oprah magazine and they're great, but you realize like I got paid like 150 bucks for this and I spent a week working on it. My mother is very proud, but like, (laughs) you know, it's hard. It's hard to keep doing that. And so having this other job, which I love, I have a wonderful team. Mm -hmm. I get to, you know, work with people who are much more talented than me on projects, Mm -hmm. much more knowledgeable 
and it provides a steady paycheck, which then allows me to focus on only putting out work that I'm proud of. And like for the last, the last three or four years, my goal has been to only do work that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for the most part, I'm hitting like at least 75%. You know, you put out a few clunkers here and there, <laughs> but like, I feel, I feel confident about what I'm doing. So, you know, I have the rest and I have the stability and, you know, like I've done work for, um, on posters there, you know, for events at NIH, I did one all about, you know, it was like the life cycle of like lab research. And I totally did this like punked out, you know, piece that has like, you know, daggers through butterflies and stuff. And the name of the event was called like live fast, die young, leave a beautiful corpse. And it's like, I totally did this like punk thing for it. And it won like a bunch of design awards and people loved it around campus. They reprinted it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cool. I did. I got to merge, merge the worlds for a little while mm-hmm. and people appreciated that. So, yeah. So de- yeah. So it definitely gives you some unique opportunities, not only to mentally refresh, but to look at things with a new perspective almost. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, kind of going back to what we were talking about before, like I'm a designer, I'm not a, you know, quote unquote, fine artist. Mm-hmm. My goal is to create work that best represents the client's needs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, doing poster work, I'm kind of at this point where people come to me because they want like the Jeffrey Everett rockets are red look, you know, <laughs> can you make someone sad, you know, in a big room with, you know, out in a field or something with the moon going down, that looks like a record player. Like I can do that. Yeah. But I also, you know, I want that exploration. I want that, um, you know, solving a problem. I want that challenge. And I get, Mm -hmm. I get a lot of that working for NIH. And honestly, like it makes me feel good. Like I'm, I know legitimately I'm adding something better to the world. Even if it is just like, you know, just wash your freaking hands, okay? Can you just do that? <laughs> Wear a mask, wash your hands. We'd be over this. We'd be over it. We would have been over it six months yeah. ago. But no, you found that to be oppression. Jeff, I, I love how you are helping to to lower, what do they say, the lower the curve or or whatever, flatten the curve. I think flatten the, the curve, term. man. Flatten the curve. Flatten the curve. <laughs> so, Jeff, before I get into some of the tough questions here, I wanted to just quickly go through a couple of posts on your Instagram, and I want to hear the story behind them. Oh, God. So I tried to find the most embarrassing ones I could find. I'm just kidding. I they probably have butts on them. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't actually find any butts. I, I avoided the butts. I went in a different right. direction. I, I posted once on Instagram my deadlift. I was like doing deadlifts. Yeah. And I had somebody make fun of me in my posture while doing it. And the fact that like my junk was like over the bar because like, yeah. you, pull, you pull right up into your junk. And I've decided ever since then, like, I'm showing nothing personal ever again, <laughs> ever again. Uh, I showed a deadlift once. Yes. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to bring on the screen here your Instagram. Look at this. Just scrolling through. So pretty. I know, right? Let's just. There's a butt right there. There's a, I see a butt. Hang on. I'm showing the wrong tab. There we go. Where? I don't see a butt. 
upper. Oh yeah, left. there's yeah, there's, there's a, a oh yeah, there's a couple left. of there's a couple of butts in there. Yeah, I didn't even notice. It's not the ones I'm going to though. People like butts. <laughs> they can't lie. All right, this is the one I'm going to go to. This is cool. from September 30th. Uh, we got a black skull here, a couple of books on the bottom. Tell me what's going on here. Um. Okay, I'm trying to figure. Okay, so I take weird pride entering into the AIGA 50 every every two years. It's held every two years. Okay. And it's a competition that the American Institute of Graphic Artists in DC holds. Yeah. And it go and it is open to Washington, DC, Maryland, Virginia, and West Virginia. Okay. okay. And every two years they do a competition to collect the best 50 pieces of graphic design in that whole area. Cool. And so every year, every two years, I just go, I'm going to enter my stuff because I just find it funny, you know, like, and this piece here um, that, and it, it, it's showing a winner that it's showing a, a award that I, I got for a poster I did for the AIGA yeah. uh, called punk rock type. There it is. Okay. So, so here's the poster. So pretty. And this was a piece that I did for Bill Barbeau talking about being in the punk band Jawbox, mm-hmm. as well as running a graphic design firm called Three Spot. So the poster for people who can't see it, it's a gigantic skull to the side and it has Liberty spike haircut Mohawk on top and all the Liberty spikes are Washington monuments. And then underneath it, there's a map of Washington DC with a pill, a little white pill over the white house. And the skull is eating the pill, hopefully to chew it up and poop it out. Um, which is my obvious statement on the world of politics and who currently inhabits that place. Mm-hmm. So I love DC, but DC is known for being quite bland and mm-hmm. quite khaki pants with the blue shirt, with the white collar wearing penny loafers. Like that is kind of like the DC look. And when I moved to DC, from the little small town where Mary had a little lamb was ridden and, mo- and moved here. It was the home of Ian Mackay. It was the home of Henry Rollins. It was the home of damnation AD. It was the home of the exorcist, you know, hardcore, you know, PMA started in DC. And so I try to bring as much, and I'm going to swear as much punk rock, fuck you to the DC design culture as possible. And this one, uh, my work for Expo Lucha, like Mexican wrestlers won. My work for Battery, which is a hardcore band, won. Uh, two other pieces won. Um, that's like a humble brag. because I, I can't remember all the pieces that won. <laughs> so um, but I ended up winning five awards this year. And there are a ton of talented firms in DC. Um, And and so to see my work next to like a 400 page, you know, catalog for the Smithsonian 
or you know whatever it, it's yeah. immediately gratifying yeah. because to a certain degree it's like validation for what i'm doing yeah and when you work alone and you're doing punk design at least i consider it punk design getting that validation is very difficult because most people are like fuck you you're a sellout <laughs> or the one i get a lot is Oh, you do cute little posters. Oh, that's cute. You still doing the cute posters? And it's kind of like, man, screw you, man. I won an award. Okay. Yeah. I won so many awards, I can't even remember them all. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> so the other one that I wanted to bring up is this post here. It's definitely more recent from seven days ago. Can you see this okay? Oh, yeah. So uh, when the, the quarantine happened, NIH literally told us at 5.30 on a Friday that we cannot go into work anymore, that um, we had to to stay at home, we had to protect ourselves. Um, Where I work, I work in Building 10 at NIH campus, and NIH campus Mm -hmm. on any day can have 60,000 people there. Holy cow. Building 10 is the largest research hospital in the world. Mm-hmm. And I work in not, I don't work just in the basement. I work in the sub basement. <laughs> I, I work no joke. I can walk to the morgue. They have a morgue there because people come in to get treated and you know, people die. Yeah. Um, th- this is where Ebola has been researched. This is where Zika was researched. Um, and the thing about NIH and about federal workers in, in general is that the people who work for the federal government legitimately love America mm-hmm. and want the best for, for what is happening. And Dr. Fauci is somebody who I would see walking to and from the TV studio, which is right next to my studio, every day for for weeks before we had to go into quarantine mm-hmm. um my mom is very proud because i designed the backdrop that he sits in front of when when doing these talks yeah. on like abc or cnn man, i'm and gonna I, have a whole new appreciation for that oh man now. and it's like getting that approved i'm like it's two freaking logos step and repeat okay it's like not the end well, I mean, you have it at a 70% gradient and maybe it should be 65%. I'm like, no one cares. No one cares. Can we just get this done? But anyways, and so, you know, a few, a few months ago, I was doing a portrait a day mm-hmm. just to keep myself from going crazy. And I feel like when the quarantine started, everybody was like, all right, we have three months that we're going to stay at home and I'm going to be productive And so for like a month, I did a portrait a day. And then I was like, oh, crap, this is still going on. And so I waited a month. And then like a month later, did another portrait a day. And people were really going after Dr. Fauci, saying that he had, you know, ulterior motives. He's an oppressor. We had QAnon people showing up on NIH campus, you know, the whole nine. And I did this initially just to show my appreciation for Dr. Fauci. And because my mom finds him incredibly attractive. (laughs) So I wanted wanted to make sure that she got something that she could, she could hang up. 
And I, I, I initially did the piece and it got, it got some attention, both positive and negative. And one of the things that happened was my creative director at NIH was like, you know, there are people giving appreciation to Dr. Fauci around campus because they know he's putting in these hours. He's putting in all these hours trying to help the public. Mm-hmm. And if anyone doesn't know the, like the, the history of Dr. Fauci, like look him up. I mean, the man legitimately is an American hero. And so we, I donated the design to NIH and we expanded it to make it a poster of appreciation for all of his work. Mm-hmm. And his office is in building 31 and people would hang up little thank you cards. And we decided to print ours as a, as a, an appreciation and we hung it up and the next day it was gone. Uh-oh. And so we were like, huh? And so we printed out another one, hung it up, gone. And we realized people were stealing them because they wanted them. You know, they needed something to give validation to their own work and to have, Mm -hmm. you know, their struggles and efforts appreciated. You know, sometimes you just need something to hold on to, man. And so we ended up printing hundreds of these. Uh, People would request them. We would print them. They're all over campus. It went oddly viral online. <laughs> Not credited to me, though. Um, it got credited to the... It was put into like an NIH email that went out, and mm-hmm. then people were like cutting and pasting it and then sending it around the... Whoever created the email got the credit um, for, for, for all this work. But like, you know, it, it, it it's it's kind of become this symbol all around NIH and it's in the NIH archives now mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, this is the marriage of what I do personally and what I do at NIH. And it got a lot of recognition. It's on the cover of graphic design USA and it won an award and the whole nine. So it's kind of the nice marriage of, of two cultures. Definitely. I like how you explain that sort of the, the marriage of the two, because it's this, you know, date this creative illustration or portrait that you did of somebody who is doing incredible things right now and your way of promoting and, and recognizing that. Um, but also it's now on GD USA cover, like and you're a designer. So it's just like perfect marriage of the two. I like you explained that. No, oh, thank you. So Jeff, I got to get into the tough stuff now, man. I got, oh. a, couple, I got a couple of questions that, um, We'll take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons. Oh, sure. Pull those stories out of you, and then we'll turn it around and we'll finish up in a happy place here. Um, <laughs> so what has been the most challenging period of time in your creative career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, I have had a lot of tough times in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, as a person who suffers ADHD, doesn't suffer, live with ADHD. I live with like depression, the whole nine. One of the things I've had to learn to deal with is the idea of failing in public. Mm-hmm. You know, you create a design for someone's favorite band and they just fucking hate you for it. 
Um, I think legitimately the poster that I did for the band fish is mm-hmm. like thought of as the worst fish poster of all time. And I'm kind of like proud of that, like in a weird, like punk, like punk rock, fuck you kind of way. Yeah. And the band loved it. The band was like, this is great. People hated it. Um, I've, I've done work for like the gaslight anthem when they're kind of on their, when they're shooting their way up and people would just email me with just like vitriol, just, you know, I hate everything you do. I've been told to kill myself the whole night. Um, the worst thing that happened to me, and I'm not going to name the band, mm-hmm. um, but about four years ago, before I started working here, I was working with a band for a while and there was a lot of like internal strife that I think just got projected onto me, but I legitimately remember walking outside my house and I live in a little town home community. And I remember just walking around on the sidewalk and the, the manager just screaming at me and it was over like $500 and, and not that I owed them $500. It was, they owed me $500 and I wasn't even asking for it. I was just like, you know, I'm selling my, my copies of the poster this is how you're, you know, I'm getting recouped. This is part of my payment. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, you've already made enough money. You don't need to make any more money. Nice. And I remember just sitting here going like, this is like $500. Like I don't, you know, and you're not even paying me. Like, this is literally like, I'm, you know, I'm just selling my copies and the person. And there, there was two of them. One of them was like, I'm going to come to your house. I'm going to kill you and your entire family. Oh like, my Lord. And I remember just sitting there outside and I'm like in shorts and like a t-shirt. Cause I got on the call and just walked outside and they were just saying like, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill your entire family. We have X amount of followers on Instagram. We can hire somebody to come to your house. Now I've had people show up at my house before and it's and that's kind of creepy, but like this was a level where I wasn't I wasn't scared. It was more yeah. of like, God damn, like is this really worth it? Like, why am I doing this? You yeah, know, it called you to question a lot. Yeah, and and I legitimately I wouldn't say I had a nervous breakdown, but it was pretty pretty close. Yeah. And I remember like my lawyer got involved and my lawyer was just like, we can sue these people. Like we can, you know, like they ended up using my work on, on other materials that were not approved the the whole nine. And my lawyer was just like, we can take, like, we can take them. You want a new house? Like, let's go get you a new house. And I remember just being like, I just want this to end. Like, this is so stressful. I just, I just can't deal with this. And it was, it was shortly after that where uh, a friend of mine was like, Hey, why don't you go work at, you know, NIH and things like that. And it steamrolled and, you know, I'm in a much better place now, Yeah. but you know, looking over my years and years and years of doing this, Mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing how being a designer in public, 
Yeah. You know, like when you work for a design firm, if you work for Ogilvy, no one knows who's making the Coke ad. And, and behind and, the brand. Yeah. And, and no one really cares. There's that, there's not that passion for the work that's being put out there. Mm-hmm. You know, I have been very lucky to create a few pieces that have really taken off and people have gotten tattooed on themselves and things like that. That's really awesome. That's but cool. with that, you know, you get the weird guy from Ireland who is sending you threatening emails and then you block them and then he creates another account, sends you stuff. You know, I was on Twitter for six, six, like six days. Yeah. And I just got hounded and I was just like, why isn't Gaslight Anthem playing in Duluth? You, you jackass. And I'm like, I just, <laughs> I just put the, I just make it pretty. Okay. I, I don't know what to tell you. So, you know, the last, however many years, there's mm-hmm. just been a lot of being able to, to say, I can't control other people, but I can yeah. control myself. Yeah. And, 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 and that has been how I have figured it out. Just, you know, yeah. A lot so, of mental, a lot of mental health breaks. So that was heavy yeah, and shocking. And I'm not going to um, linger on it too long. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on here to the happy place. But I wanted to just mention quickly here that I've never understood people's emotional investment in things like that, that just don't really matter that much. Like I, I understand the passion behind fighting for equality, fighting for rights, fighting for equal treatment. And a hundred percent, I totally support that and believe that. But somebody to go out of their way, to write an email, to make a call, to, to spew their crap on you because you created a poster they weren't a fan of. Like, it's like, I, I don't understand. I've never been that emotionally involved or affected by anything I've seen in, in design that makes me go, I hate this design so much. I need to tell the person who created it. It just, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one, it's really easy to do. You know, it's, yes. it's really easy to write an FU email. Mm-hmm. Boom. You know, my, you know, anyone can find my email. Anyone can Instagram tag me. Boom. <laughs> I I personally like to talk about things I enjoy, yeah, and focus on that. Like, yeah. I totally when I when I found the Alec Leck, you know, Ekman book, Ekman Lawn, you know, I just wrote him like, I think you're amazing. I love you. Keep up the good work. Boom. Yeah. You know, and that hopefully made his day, or he was just like, yeah, one of eight thousand I've gotten today. Um, <laughs> but like, it, yeah, it it really shocks me, like where I live, the whole like QAnon thing has really exploded around here. I have had, I had friends work at Comet Ping Pong and they had people show up with like shotguns. I work at NIH. I've been, I spent a whole Saturday, like two months ago, having to delete people on Instagram who were going on there, tagging my work for Dr. Fauci. And like, it's just easy. You know, it's easy. People are bored. Mm-hmm. And it's something, it's something to do. It's entertainment. And I'm just like, dude, man, go watch a movie, go lift some weights, <laughs> go play with your kids. Yeah. You know, there's other things to focus on. hundred percent. 
Okay, let's spin this around. Let's get to the happy place. Um, and you know what? I almost feel like you might have my, – my guess is you might have already talked about this, but we'll see. Um, I want to now hear about a project, Jeff, that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Um, I don't know if it's most proud because honestly, like the, the next poster I do is the thing I'm most proud of. Like I'm yeah. very much like – you know, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I mean, I'm yeah. like a junkie. Um, the thing I'll say I'll probably be known for if, you know, there is such thing as like a design obituary. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a lot of work for the Gaslight Anthem. Mm-hmm. And I, I really, you know, I designed like two album covers. I did, all, I did, I think like seven years of posters for them. But one of the things that, I think defined me and it was a big change in my career is uh, when the hurricane Sandy hit New Jersey, mm-hmm. we ended up doing a poster and originally it was just going to be a hundred posters. Like, cause, cause who freaking cares? And the poster featured a Ferris wheel and it was very abstract blocked out kind of stuff. And it had like a, a couple, I call it like small people, big spaces and underneath it said uh, it was two people hugging and they're all in shadows. And it said, uh, if you, if you never let me go, I'll never let you down. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, uh, by gaslight Anthem and uh, the patient Ferris wheel. And those hundred posters sold out in like a minute. <laughs> and, and so we were like, Oh, let's just do another one. And we ended up doing like a second edition and those sold, I think like 500 copies in like a day. Wow. And to this day, eight years, seven or eight years later, I have done versions of that poster and people still just keep buying them because they have such a love for that poster, for what it represents for, for everything. And, I love it because one, we ended up raising tens of thousands of dollars for people who needed it. Mm -hmm. Um, It was featured in like Rolling Stone magazine, you know, it it went all over the world. And so it it was that marriage of like good design that touched the person buying it, but also touched people beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of those posters. It's like the dude who did uh, the endless summer poster, you know, like people holding the surfboards with a gradient background, you know, that's what that person will always be known for. This is mm-hmm. what I'll always be known for. And I'm proud of that because it's, you know, it helped a lot of people, a lot of people out. And for me, it was a big shift in design exploration for me. Cause when I told them about it, I said like, it's a slice in time. This is a, a scene in a movie. There's a before and there's an after and we're capturing the middle. Yeah. And after that, they really started to, I think, appreciate what we were doing, like what I was trying to do in their posters. And even though we stopped working a few years, stopped working together a few years later, they carried that on moving forward. So it was, a, it was a big success piece for me. 
That's an awesome one. I'm going to pull up um, the image of that and I'll share that on social media when this goes up. Um, just so people yeah. can get a look at that. I'll send you a copy. Perfect. Um, Jeff, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question, my friend. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest that you do not know what they're going to ask. And uh, you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So the ask it forward question from my last guest, my last guest was Will Hardaway, a senior designer and educator. And he wanted to ask, you could bash together the concept of any two films, any two movies, any two films, what would they be and why? Uh, um, that's a good one. So am- while you're thinking of it, I quickly on the spot was like, what if you did Top Gun and Frozen? <laughs> right? See, but- like that's, to- that's totally random. I'm going to actually put together two of my favorite movies. Okay. Because I love the concepts of the movie Mm -hmm. and I love how they're shot and I love the architecture in both of these movies. So if you thought about the movie Parasite, have you seen Parasite? I've not seen it. All right. I'm sorry, Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff. Go in one best picture and it pissed off Trump. It, you know, it's like the best of both worlds. Um, So there, so there's a movie called parasite and it's about a family that kind of infiltrates another family. Okay. And then there's even more intrigue than that. Okay. It's kind of a comedy. It's kind of a horror. It's all social commentary. It's fantastic. Okay. And then there's a movie called it follows. Okay. Have you seen It Follows? I have not. Man, I'm Man, not looking good here. <laughs> I am I'm that dude who's just like, I'm gonna reference nothing but obscure punk bands that no one's ever ever heard of except for the five people in the band. Yeah. That's what I just did. But It Follows is a horror movie about a demon that follows people Jeez. who have had sex and it's like a chain letter. You know, so they kill, they kill the person at the end and then they go to the next person and they go to the next person and it's shot in Detroit and it's all like horrible, broken down architecture. Mm-hmm. Whereas parasite is all like super upscale, you know, sleek oh, architecture. Yeah. And there's a thing about like being indoors and whatnot. So anyways, I would put those things together because they're my two favorite like designer ish movies. Yeah. And I just want to see a demon trying to break into really nice houses. So. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. I got to look, see those two movies so I can oh, really get man. the full concept. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. I just, oh, I, no, I, I, I feel bad because I'm like, my question is going to suck compared to that one. That was a good uh, one. You know what? These questions all have their own unique spin and they all are uniquely somehow by complete accident aligned in a really good spot for the next guest. All right. So, don't don't feel that your question isn't up to par because in my experience, something will come up during that next episode, that interview, where it will directly align so well with what the ask it forward question is going to be that it'll it'll shock you. All right. Okay, so saying that, Jeff, what is your ask it forward question for my next guest? So I had to actually write this out because when I spoke it, it was like three paragraphs of yeah. me rambling. So this is, um, what are your views on designing from a process like Shepherd Ferry 
who has a distinct style and aesthetic that they apply to all the design work that they do. As compared to designing like a firm like Ogilvy that provides unique design solutions that are unique to each client and less individualized by the designer. Where do you fit on that design process spectrum and would you change your process because of it? I think those two names that you listed are well enough known that a lot of the descriptors around it are going to be assumed. So I, what about this? If you've got, <laughs> if you've got, I'm just want to boil this down for you. Okay. So if you've got Ogilvy on one side, which is arguably large and corporate and, mm-hmm. um, but still very creative with each of the solutions they provide. Mm-hmm. And on the other end, you have more of almost a fine artist side with Shepard Fairey and his creations and how they all can almost instantly be recognized. Mm-hmm. And that bleeds into all of the work he does. Where, do they, where do, does my next guest fall in that spectrum? Sure. Is that what you're asking, Jeff? <laughs> I, I guess what I'm asking is, should the designer have their own style? that they apply to everything. So okay. like when you go to Shepherd Ferry, you know what you're getting. It's, yep. you know, thick lines, saving the world, looking cool. I think he has a palette of like six colors he uses. So it's going to be like that. Or if you go to a designer that their style is created by the client's needs. Mm-hmm. So there isn't a, oh, that is this person, that's just good design. Okay. <laughs> I got it. No, for sure, I got it. You know, I, 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 you know the, let's go back to the film one for a while. So. <laughs> got it. That's like awesome, a, man. that was like such a super like design snob question. So I'm going to uh, say it with that. Jeffrey would like to know. Yes, you need to put on your beret and have a, a cigaretto and yeah. drink Perrier water while you, yeah, it's while not you my, say it. Not my previous guest, Jeff. It's Jeffrey Everett, my yes. previous guest, would like to know. And every every vowel has an umlaut over it. <laughs> awesome. Jeff, you have reached the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been fun. I'm spent. Was it good for you? Yeah, I'm exhausted. I need a cigarette. I need to have a drink and just All right. relax. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, everybody. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you are digging what you're hearing here on the Quickie Podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, and leave a rating and a review. They make me smile. And you know you want to make me smile. Thanks again. See you next week.